everybody, and welcome to Sick on Cinema. I am one half of your drug-pushing police officers, John. <laughs> I'm your other half, Matt. And we're back. So, in this situation, who's the who's the deputy and who's the sheriff? I'm the sheriff, bitch. Oh, you. <laughs> All right. We're like those guys in Deputy Dawn. He's like, what do you want with Crank, man? <laughs> uh, what do you care? I'll sell it to kids. I'll... Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I love that scene. Douchebag. I know, right? So, we took a bit of a, a sabbatical, if you will. Uh, about a week or two break. Yeah, for our... We're considering this season two. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Pretty much what it actually was is we couldn't get our shit together in time. Mm. But whatever we, way you want to take it, you can take it that way. <laughs> we could not get our shit and get it all together. <laughs> <laughs> it was scattered here and there, so... Yeah, so we're back, and yeah. uh, we're probably gonna do the season format. The way do it? The season format. Oh yeah, you know. Sorry, goose. Do about ten to twelve episodes a season. Take about a you know couple weeks off to just kind of recharge your batteries. Yeah. To get back into the maybe you know each season kind of add a new layer to the show. This time the layer is uh, our brand new theme song. Yes. By Jason. Uh, Formerly of Beyond the Realms, now creating fantastic electrical music under the guise of Rain Architect. Rain Architect, I heard a song on your Instagram page. You need to drop that shit. <laughs> I want that song. He He's awesome. He, he is know. awesome. He's been a buddy of ours for a long time. He's a great guy. And he makes good music, and that is an unbiased recommendation. Yeah. Cause we may be friends, but his music is awesome. Um... I mean, you've met him. I have not met him yet. Hopefully, sometime this year, I will be able to. Um, but yeah, Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your tunes from, go check out Rain Architect. Killer at Monsoon Bay is a fantastic album. And he's he's working on some, some dank stuff. Some <laughs> dank shit, boy. Um, so, let's get a <laughs> little bit of a... Questions, comments, concerns. Send them us to us. Sick on cinema at gmail Do we have any? No. Okay. Hit us up at the Twitters at Sick on Cinema, even though we do a terrible job of updating that thing. Yeah. That's supposed to be you, bro. <laughs> Fair enough. Got me there. Um Instagram, Sick on Cinema as well. And now Facebook. <laughs> yeah, hopefully within a few within a few months we'll still be able to do this. Oh yeah. Well we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Okay. So, sick on cinema. All those platforms. Go give us a follow. Give us a like. Send us some questions. Like or shit. Please. <laughs> please. Please. <laughs> You're a fan. Give us. Gr- some, give us about two thousand. Give us a reason to live. <laughs> <laughs> please. But uh, in all seriousness, the best way to help us out is to give us five stars on iTunes and leave us a review. Give us that melted rating. Please. Yeah. Give us the melts. So, you brought it up. Okay. I want to talk about it real quick. This is this a situation. Is, yeah, we're going to take a, a yeah. brief detour into some territory that we normally do not tackle on the show. Kind of political. <clears throat> Nor are we going to make it a piece or part of the show going forward. This is a one-time thing, but this is an extremely important thing. Yeah, it like, if something isn't done about this, this could jeopardize our show. Yeah. And many other people's shows in general. Yeah, and... And you 
listening. It's going to affect you, yes. It could jeopardize your li- you listening to us. Mm-hmm. And it could jeopardize... Your you privacy. Be- yeah, your privacy. And, and it could... Like, any show you watch on YouTube or Netflix or anything like this, it, it jeopardizes it. So, yeah, we're going to take a, a, a brief detour into... A little bit of political talk. We're not gonna we're not we're not gonna go and talk about the current landscape of the government or anything like that. We're no. just gonna talk about a certain issue, and then we'll get off of it and move on, and that'll be that. Because at the end of the day, we're not a political podcast whatsoever. Exactly. Nor do we want to alienate people by choosing sides. Yeah, like if you're a Republican, you know more power to you. Yeah. If you're a Democrat, same thing. But this affects both Democrats and Republicans, and should be made aware of. <laughs> Even affects you anarchists out there, and I'm I'm sure that you have heard on the TVs about net neutrality, mm-hmm. and I'd like to give you a brief definition of what net neutrality means. Net neutrality is the principle that internet service providers and government regulation regulating most of the internet must treat all data on the internet the same and not discriminate or charge differently by user, content, website, platform, application type of attached equipment or method of communication. For instance, under these principles, internet service providers are unable to intentionally block, slow down, or charge money for specific websites and online content. Now, the FCC (laughs) is currently trying to pass a new legislation that will revoke net neutrality. And you may be saying to yourself, why is this a problem? The problem is this. America already has the slowest bandwidth of any country because we're already restricted, which is a big problem. Mm. That shouldn't be a thing. If this is passed, what are you looking at? <laughs> You're good. So, yeah, net neutrality. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> basically, if this passes, what could happen is... Um, Bullshit. If you get your internet through Charter, or you get it through AT&T, or you get it through Comcast, or wherever you are, your your internet is provided through, they could charge you more if you want faster internet. Mm-hmm. They could put certain blocks on certain websites. Like, if you want to go to Reddit, or something like that, they could actually have that website blocked and force you to ch- pay extra to be able to access those websites. You know, yeah. and these maybe not be things that will happen, but these are things that could happen without net neutrality. Um, basically, they will be using; it will allow them to look at your browsing history and freely sell it to the highest bidder. And sell it to the highest bidder. It's a very, very big problem, and it allows more governing and more um, restrictions on your rights. Yeah, I feel like they don't. Tr- Never mind. The, Go and, ahead. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's a big problem. It is a massive problem. The way I see this is, they want to do the same thing to the internet as that they're doing with video games. And I could see like some people being like, "Well, don't I already pay for things like Netflix?" Yes, you do, but you have to pay more. But you're paying a service fee. Netflix is providing you with a service, correct? Yes. This is stuff that should be free. It should not be sold to the highest bidder. If someone wants to make a website, they should be allowed to make a website as long as it follows the guidelines. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. The way I see this is, it's like, t- 
it's like they're trying to make it in, like the internet's like a video game. Like you have your main thing, but if you want all this other stuff, which is cool and nice, then you have to pay extra for it. It's worse than even that, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it <clears throat> because it's not just about the the pay, and um, you know, the potential of slowing down the internet on purpose to force you to charge more. Yeah. For faster internet when that should not be a thing. Um, it's also about your privacy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when I say that, I don't mean, you know, people that are looking at child porn should be allowed to do no, that. No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're just talking about your right to go and talk to people on Facebook without being monitored. Yeah. To look at whatever website you want to as long as it falls in a legal manner without being watched. I saw a post today... And it's from someone who lives in New Zealand, where this is already in effect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, to the the message sent out to us here in America, and it was like, um, for all you, but uh, that think net neutrality is not a problem. Look at this. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you want some of these like apps and or you know these websites. It's like $1 for one day. It's like, mm-hmm. for five days, it's like 10 yep. something like that. And us in, in America, that would be even more mm-hmm. price-wise than it was in that picture. It, it will do severe harm to not just you as a consumer, Yeah, but it will also do massive harm to a lot of independent businesses. This could potentially kill us. Well, that might be going a little crazy, but... I, 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 I mean, I don't think it'll kill us, but it would definitely be a big problem. And it does affect us, even though our viewership or listenership is not massive. It affects our ability to get our podcast out there to as many people as want to listen to it fairly. Because yeah. if they charge, if they put, if they put like a lot of the podcasts behind a paywall, those podcasters will not see a dime of that money. Yeah. That will go to whatever internet provider you have. And, and that's bullshit. Because they're charging for podcasts, and the people who create these podcasts won't get any of that. And something that drives me nuts is a lot of YouTubers don't even, like YouTubers and other, you know, in- internet, like, shows and stuff, they don't, they, they're not speaking up about this. Yeah. <clears throat> like for example, but to the people that are, like, you know, Markiplier, H3H3, last podcast on the left, mm-hmm. I mean... Thank you guys for bringing this to our attention, because we probably wouldn't even know about it. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing about it for a while, but, you know, it's just now become a reality that this could be yeah, a thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to go too much longer on this, because this is a podcast for entertainment, and this is starting to get a little more serious, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but but what you need to do is just... You know, first of all, educate yourself because we're not the we're not the brightest on this subject. Yeah. So just go and read everything about it. Educate yourself, and then um, just sign up to one of these sites that are trying to stop it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Call your congressman. Email your congressman. Email the FCC. I mean, sign the petitions. Attend the protests. You know. Yeah, and get get the word out. And get the word out. It's very important. You know, there's only three weeks till this bill yeah, is it's decided. December 14th, right? Yeah. December 14th is when they decide pretty much the internet's fate. <laughs> pretty much. 
And, uh, you know, <laughs> the freest country in the nation will take one step closer to not being very free if this passes. You know what I mean? Yeah. This, I mean, just another way to get more money off of the I also public. said the freest country in the nation. I meant the freest country in the world. Oh, the nation. You goofed on that one. I goofed pretty hard. Please don't fix it. Yeah, the freest country in the world will take one step closer to not being very free. Being no different than communists. Or, I mean, let's not get into that, but... Okay, whatever. whatever. You know. Yeah. But, yeah, just check out these websites. Yeah. Check out these... like Do your part. Yeah. That's all we're asking. If you live in the United States and you you give a shit about this... Which you should. If yeah. you use the internet, you should. I mean, I was trying to explain to one of my friends earlier about it, and he didn't really like get the gist of it. And then, I, like, I put it into detail, like, oh, you know, blah 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 blah. He's like, "This is ridiculous. It's terrible. It's, it's a terrible thing. Stupid. But and it's all about money. Don't let them lie. It's not for your safety. No, it's it's because they want more money off of you. Yep. That's all it is. These these massive conglomerates want your money. So <laughs> maybe within. Four or five weeks, the Second Cinema podcast will be on the deep web. <laughs> <laughs> you got to use the the Tor browser to get it. Yeah, yeah so yeah, good luck even using the Tor browser. Yeah, though. right. Anyway, let's just get to the movies. Yep. So, having said that, we'll, we will go back to our regular scheduled programming now. Yeah, we, we apologize. Thank for you that. for the time. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't want to listen to it, we are fully aware, and that's fine. Just skip ahead to yeah. We'll even hear us not talking about it. Yeah. So, what are we talking about today, Matt? Um, we're talking about urban nightmares. Yeah, the mean streets. Don't Some, start. Someone showed up. <laughs> um, mean streets, if mean you will. Mean streets of maybe exclusively New York. I don't know where uh, Debbie to Dawn takes yeah, place. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> it looks, it looks kind of like New York. Kind of like New York, know. but I don't think it is New York. But uh, anyways, so what movies are we talking about? Bad Lieutenant, Debbie to Dawn. And Combat Shock. Combat Shock. Three interesting films. I think a good way to swing back into the podcasting universe. Yeah. Um. So we will start with 1992. The f- second film by this director to be covered on this podcast. Yes. And I was sitting here trying to think if any director has made more than one appearance. Oh, I'm sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we've had any repeat. I mean, unless it was like... I mean, I'm Burl Lindsay on the same episode. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, in two separate episodes, has any director showed up more than once? We had to go back and look at it. Yeah, we don't know. We didn't do our research. But anyways. Of course we did. Abel Ferreira, the man behind the masterpiece Miss 45, gives this little slice of sleaze, Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> or, in other terms, Shitty Cop. Shitty Cop. <laughs> <laughs> Starring the fantastic Harvey Cottell. Yes. Who you should know from such movies as Reservoir Dogs, Taxi Driver, uh, Pulp Fiction, you know. Yeah. The man is a... Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> the man is a fantastic actor. You know, he throws himself 100% into the role and does so again in Bad Lieutenant as well. So, uh... Would you like to give the synopsis, or would you like me to give the synopsis about the and give the synopsis. Bad lieutenant. We follow this guy who is a lieutenant. And he truly is bad. <laughs> He's a shitty person. It all sets around the World Series. Where, uh, was it, the Mets and the Dodgers, I believe is what it is. I can give it a look right quick. Almost positive it's Mets and the Dodgers. I swear to God, if I didn't write it down, I'm gonna... It's Mets and the Dodgers. <laughs> 
Are you sure? New York Mets and the LA Dodgers, okay. yes. <laughs> um, yes. They're going to... Uh, it's not the World Series itself. It, it is. Uh, it, it's not the finals. It's you know one it's, of the matches. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a best of seven. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It plays the way like hockey does and stuff like that. Or um, like if you're a big fan of wrestling, best of five series. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. So, uh, Harvey Cottell's character is getting everybody to bet on the Mets. Yeah. And he's like, I don't care if they're down right now. There is no way the Mets are losing. This it's definitely going to game seven, you know. Yeah. So game after game after game, he's getting everybody bet on the Mets while he puts his money on the Dodgers. He's trying to hedge his bet a little bit there. Yeah. However, <laughs> time and time again, each game backfires. Backfires. The Dodgers keep losing. So that's going on. While that's going on, and he's getting more and more in debt to these mobsters, he's also a severe drug addict. Yeah, and also, he uh, is investigating this case where this nun has been viciously raped. Yeah, like at first I thought that was a dream sequence when it happened in the mm. movie. But yeah, and it is shot immensely strange, is it not? Yeah. So that's your basic plot of the bad lieutenant. The bad lieutenant. The bad lieutenant. Uh, something of note is that it was a uh, um written by uh, what's her name Zoe Zoe Lund, I believe. Sorry about that. We've had a few technical difficulties. By technical difficulties, I mean assholes. So if you hear us scream at somebody to shut the hell up, just ignore it. Because we don't do editing, apparently. No, I don't edit. <laughs> so anyways, Zoe Lund, yeah. um, who is you know the main character in Battle... I about said Frigga, but I'm pretty sure that's Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> um, the, ba- the main character in uh, Miss 45 yes. is the writer of this movie. And she makes an appearance in this movie, I think. She does. And uh, to me, what is the most interesting about that is that a woman wrote a film where the main character is pretty damn misogynistic. Yeah. I mean, he, he he's pretty uncaring about anything, really. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just a, a ruthless piece of shit, really. He doesn't care if you're male, female. He doesn't. He doesn't give a shit about anything. So. It's a. It's a character study on uh, just power gone wrong. You yeah, know? the man who has all the power and he's just. He's just a freaking piece of shit. I mean, that's the best way to describe him. He is a piece of shit. But it's wrote and directed so well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That you feel bad for him in a lot of ways. At times, yeah. Um. So you want to get into what you liked, and disliked about him. Um. A lot of the shots in this movie were insane. Yeah, it's shot in the main streets, New York. Like, you know, it takes place in the bad parts of New York, and it's filmed in the bad parts of New York. Oh, yeah. And it creates such an authentic um, atmosphere. Yeah. And a real sense of danger throughout the entire movie. Kind of like what we talked about with Crossbear, you know, where it was filmed in the main streets of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It, this feels like it. You know, it feels oh, yeah. like it. It feels dangerous. It feels like it was dangerous to make, you know, and that really, like, it really um, portrays itself in the film really well, I think. Oh, yeah. And the music choices are, once again, able for on point with the music. Very much so, yeah. The Forever My Darling. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, the way that's cut together, that scene, is so, like, moody and uh, gut-wrenching, I would say. Mm. Like, he has these two women in his room with him and this song is playing and they're doing coke and he's naked and 
yoked as hell. Yeah, he's <laughs> super yoked. Which, it's so crazy, because like, when he's in the suit, it doesn't look like it. No. But then you see him naked, and you're like, Jesus Christ Almighty, this dude is yoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to see quite a bit of Dong looking for the poster this week. <laughs> it's not pleasing. Um, and also, uh, Abel Ferrara sings the ending credits song. Really? Yeah, it's called Bad Lieutenant. That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, also, a lot of... Love the bizarre imagery. Like, I won't get into the detail because I don't know if it's like spoilers or mm-hmm. not. But there's some like weird things like, whoa, is this like actually happening in this movie? Or, mm-hmm. um, the rape scene in particular to me is is interesting because like it feels like almost a completely different movie. Oh yeah. Like the rest of the movie shot very raw, very real, minimal cuts. You know what I mean? And then uh, the rape scene is like. Fast editing, very dreamlike. There's a lot of like, Im- like, religious imagery inserted. Yeah. So like, it creates this this very stark juxtaposition, juxtaposition mm-hmm. between the the gritty, realistic, and this one scene. Yeah, the lighting in that scene reminds me a lot of Suspiria. It does, yeah. And Creepshow. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of like filters and yeah. stuff, and the music's very operatic. Well, the rest of the film is not like that. And, uh, you know, it's a super interesting choice. <laughs> but um, I like it a lot, actually. Something <laughs> I like to mention is <laughs> our lieutenant here is addicted to everything imaginable. A- everything. <laughs> this <Coke>. does heroin. <laughs> he does all the drugs. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. He'll smoke crack. He'll smoke yeah. coke. He'll shoot heroin. The only thing I don't think he does in the movie is smoke pot. Or meth. No, he does math. Remember he does? When he's at the heroin dealer. He's got the aluminum foil and they're lighting Oh, it up. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, shit. I got water. <laughs> you know, Hell, yeah. He hasn't seen that, but he just like reached behind him for some reason and you pulled a water bottle. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot I had that. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the heroin scene. Okay. Was this real? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm not going to put it past... Anything that's happened in movies before, because I mean we've we all know from like actors they've dealt with drug abuse or or in you you know the sorry you're good <laughs> just getting distracted they've dealt with drug abuse in the past and yeah. still are mm-hmm. so I don't know if that was the situation in this movie or not. Well, you know Zoe Lund who wrote the film. <laughs> sorry. Um, he, she, you know, it's ironic that she is actually in the film as the heroin dealer Mm -hmm. because she would, you know, pass away of a heroin overdose. Which really sucks. Yeah. Um, this scene, they're definitely injecting something. Mm -hmm. It is not, the, the fact that they're injecting something into them is not fake. Like, it is just shot way too realistic for that to be fake. However, I don't know if they're shooting drugs or not. You know what I mean? I hope it's a flu shot. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you know, the first time he does it, it's just a close-up of the arm, right? Yeah. But the second time, Harvey Cottell is in full frame mm-hmm. the whole time. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of, maybe it was like a, a, like a prop needle? I don't think so, man. Because they're drawing blood and everything. Ugh. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if they were shooting heroin, 
you know, I would like to think that Harvey Keitel probably wouldn't do that for a fi- just for a film. You know what I mean? Because that shit can mess you up for. Yeah. I mean, I hate to I hate to like do a meme meme like this, but you know, that should mess you up for a while. Yeah. Um. But it's just, it's so realistic, disturbingly yeah. so. Like it's uncomfortable to watch. I mean, that's not the only uncomfortable scene in this movie. Yeah. Uh, there's, keep, th- there's definitely a reason why we're covering this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to speak of real life events a little bit, he kind of pulls a Louis C.K. in this movie. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. He pulls over a couple young ladies and accosts oh. them, if you will. <laughs> but he never gets physical. No. But it doesn't change the fact that the scene is still immensely uncomfortable and very disturbing. Yeah, it, it's hard to watch. It's just it's it's just uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It's also one of those th- it's one of those scenes like you would see in a movie like I Spit Under a Grave or something like that where I mean it just goes on for so long. It's yeah. just it's like this is hard this is just stop this. It's honestly scary. And he's scary. Oh yeah. Because you're never sure how far he'll go. Yeah. Like when's he gonna cross the line? Mm. You know, and he's always crossing the line technically, but I'm talking about is getting physical. Yeah. You know? Because I see this movie that he's for the poster that's pretty crossing yes, that line. Yes, exactly. You know, he, he these two gentlemen are robbing this um, yeah, convenience, convenience store. store. Yeah, and uh, he uh, like he comes in and he tells them, you know, give the money back, and then he just shoots next to one of them, <laughs> and then he takes the money for himself. Of <laughs> that cracks me up. He's just like, he's like, hand the money over. And they do, and they run out. And he keeps it for himself. What yeah. A, what a douchebag. Yeah, he, he's an awful, awful person. Yeah. And played brilliantly by Harvey Cottell. Yeah. Like, what, he gives it his all in this movie. Another thing that's, I don't know if it's necessarily subtle is the right word for it, but it, I, I guess it kind of could be, is the, the very opening scene of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's so subtly disturbing because it drops the... This kid off at school, mm-hmm. then he goes to drive away and just snorts some coke. Yep, hits that first bump of the day. Yeah, it's like that's that's rough. Well, you know, too, like right after it, they go to this rape murder scene, mm-hmm. and like he's like, "Yeah, it looks pretty bad." And y'all, when, anyway, y'all put the money on the Mets. Oh, like he does not care. And then one of the what isn't one of his like coworkers is like, "You're a piece of shit." Yeah, he gets mad at him. Um, you know the film. You know, the rape of the nun is kind of, kind of, I wouldn't say it's the plot of the movie, because they don't focus a whole lot on him trying to solve the case at all. No. Not until, not until money becomes an issue and he wants that reward. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is the linchpin of the film, I think. Mm. It's kind of his, not turning point, because I would never say he redeems himself at all. But it is kind of his, um, it's kind of the, I don't know, it's a turning point for him, is the best way I think to describe it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, once he starts to, like, become more involved in that case, the more he he realizes how big of a piece of shit he is. (laughs) Also, that scene's brutal. The the, the rape scene. Very brutal. I mean, it's it's straight out of something like I Spit on Your Grave. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's one scene in Miss 45 that's that's very similar to this. Yeah. But in that movie, at least the first time it happens... It's not that bad looking, you know. It's on not the graphic. Yeah, it's not graphic, but 
In this movie, it looks way worse. <laughs> it's very short. Yes, but... But effective. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's all about the way he shoots it, too. You know what I mean? It is the fact that he kind of changes the style of the way he shoots it. Mm-hmm. That I think is, it's really interesting. I mean, Abel Ferreira is just a fascinating filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Like, he's a no-nonsense, no-bullshit kind of guy. Like, when you listen to him talk, you know what I mean? Uh, you are talking to me, and he, you said he was like... Um, not, not necessarily like a bootleg, but... No. He's like a... He's like a, a sleazy Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Which, I mean, Martin Scorsese had the ability to be sleazy in his own right. I mean, yes, but... But, like, he's low-budget Martin Scorsese. You know what I mean? Mm. His films talk are about, you know, people, first of all. You know what I mean? More so than stories. They're about the people. And he just... I don't know. He has a, he has a knack for just creating atmosphere and shooting New York in a way that, you know, really brings it to life, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I love movies that take place in New York. I, I do, too, yeah. <laughs> it's a soft spot, man. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know... And it's not unfortunate. I I shouldn't use that term. I was gonna say it's unfortunate that New York's not well how it used to be because it's a lot nicer now. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not unfortunate for the people that oh, live no, there. No. But you know, New York was like a character. Oh yeah. You know, in films like Maniac and Bad Lieutenant and Miss Forty Five and Taxi Driver, it's more than a, a location. Even Basket Case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the New New York is a character in the film. You know what I mean? It's so these films are so distinctly New York that I don't know, like Forty Second Street and stuff like that. Just it had such an atmosphere to it. Also, uh, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know that's a little more cleaner side of New York. I mean, yes, but to be fair, it's still New York. And you know, of course, Woody Allen films and stuff like that as mm-hmm. well. But they really just I don't know. You don't see films that incorporate New York. As as it's, it feels alive, it's not just yeah. a place to shoot a movie. It is part of that movie. Oh, you yeah. just don't see that much anymore. I don't think. <laughs> Ironically, I think one of the last things to do would be like Louie. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> we ain't get no more of that. <laughs> uh, well, maybe if he didn't doesn't goof himself. That's true. <laughs> but anyways, back to Bad Lieutenant. You know, a scene that I love a lot, and I I don't. I don't think this is a spoiler necessarily, but um, minor spoilers maybe, is uh, the scene where he thinks he sees Jesus. Yes. I love the catharsis of it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a word, but uh, I love that he starts with like, you know, at first he's like, you piece of shit, you know, like, <laughs> you son of a bitch, you know. But then as he keeps going, he's like, oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> you just, I mean... He's slowly sliding farther, well, not slowly. He's fastly going down that spiraling down. Spiral. Yeah, he is spiraling out of control. From the very first frame of this film to the very end of this movie, he is out of control. <laughs> yeah. He's a train wreck. Oh yeah, and that's awesome. I love that. And I love character studies in general, and, and you know, you get a guy as good as Harvey Keitel playing your lead, then it's one of my favorite scenes in this movie. I don't even know if we can really talk about because of spoilers. What is it? The train. Oh. I don't know. Uh, I think we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, I, I guess I won't get in the detail. Just don't get in the detail, detail, yeah. He's with a group of people. And let's just say he's pissed off at them. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Just watch the movie, you'll find out. 
I think the way I'm going about it, it makes it obvious what it, who it is. Just but keep going. Anyway, <laughs> he like smacks the shit out of him. Yeah, he's like, "You you get on that bus and you get out of town." Yeah, he's like, he goes, "Don't you think that you're not getting on that bus?" You yeah. know, <laughs> don't ever show your face back here again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and he doesn't. He's not doing that. Like that sounds like more badass than what it is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, true, but. He's he's crying, but yeah, and I know I, you know I've heard some people criticize Kaitel's like. <laughs> I see it realistic though. I like it a lot. I think it's real emotional. It's real powerful. You know what I mean? I see, I, people, why, why do they criticize it? I think they think it's a little over the top, and it, it, you know it is. It is a little over the top. I don't think that's. I mean, like the singer's like. He's dancing naked. Have you ever seen someone drugged out? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is how they act, but. You know, I can see the people being like, it's a little over the top, but I don't know. I think it matches this movie perfectly. Oh, yeah. Because he, he's just, he's out of control. You know, there's no stopping him. Ain't no stopping him now. <laughs> All right, Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to say about Bad Lieutenant before we move on? Except for the fact that I highly recommend it. It is awesome. You know, um, I, I mean, before, before I say it for every single one of these movies, I recommend all these movies. Yeah. Because just... Make sure to watch them in a little bit of a different order than we're reviewing them. <laughs> because. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bad Lieutenant is just, it's it's a movie that I caught on IFC when IFC used to do IFC Midnight. Oh, yeah. And it had Harvey Cattell, and I knew who Abel Ferrara was, the, like, driller killer. Yeah, driller. And, uh, yeah, I was blown away by the first time I watched it. I was like, man, this movie is awesome. Miss 45 yeah. is just as awesome. Not, and not a lot of people, you know, lot, I th- you know Miss 45 is a little underrated. It, but it's building its reputation and it's starting to get a yeah. lot of love. You know, you know, uh, uh, Draft House put the Blu-ray of it out. Um, but Bad Lieutenant's still, I think, under the radar. And I think when people think Abel Ferreira, they think Driller Killer, Miss Forty Five, and even the Christopher Walken movie Kings of New York. Oh, really? But I don't. I think Bad Lieutenant's kind of one of his underrated gems that definitely needs to be rediscovered. Oh yeah, because it's just a, it's just an interesting, and you can get a Blu-ray of it that's been put out through Lionsgate. That's you know it's a pretty good Blu-ray. Also, I feel like a good movie that we could have fit in here with this episode, but I mean the only thing the only thing about it is it's not really disturbing necessarily. It's just a horror movie, Maniac. Maniac would be a great choice for this. Yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, if we really wanted to, I oh, mean, we could fit Maniac in. I mean, I think Maniac's pretty disturbing at pa- points. Part two, we're announcing it. <laughs> oh, Maniac absolutely. Is Oh yeah, I want to do a ton more of these gritty street oh, films. You know, there's just so much. Oh, I, I don't know what it is. I just gravitate to them. I, love I do it. too, man. Like it's one of my favorite like subgenre of the films, <laughs> and it's not even really a subgenre. It's just films that take place on the streets. You yeah. know what I mean? I um, mean, I can't say we live on a necessarily like shitty street. We live on a, on a shitty road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't live in the streets so. though. No, I mean this isn't like the streets, but our our. You can't trust anyone around here. We really. live in the backwoods so, and yeah. meth heads. That's where we live. Yeah, where this is their this whole situation. This is, like, is completely different. Yeah, but still, um, I think we'd be a little remiss if we didn't mention the fact that there is a remake of sorts, really, of Bad Lieutenant, uh, ironically directed by Werner Herzog, who is another very fascinating filmmaker in his own right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Herzog is a he's a maniac when it comes like he's in uh. Julian Donkey Boy. Oh, God. He's really good friends with uh, Harmony Corrine. Weird guy. Makes cool movies. He made a remake of Nosferatu. 
That is awesome. Nosferatu. He. I hear Nosferatu. I can't. I can't think of anything but that stupid Spider-Man episode. Nosferatu. He's a very fascinating filmmaker who I'm not sure if we'll ever cover his movies on the podcast. Yeah. But he's just he's unique to say the least. He has a vision. And he, maybe we could one day, but and he directed a movie called Bad Lieutenant, Port of New Orleans. Okay. Starring Nicolas Cage. Oh. <laughs> and basically Nicolas Cage is playing Harvey Keitel. Um but it's it's um. not it's it's a remake only in premise where it's this drug addict cop I don't who know how I feel about this. And uh it is nowhere near as good as I mean, no, I wouldn't think. But. but I will highly recommend that movie as well for a completely different Reason? experience, because it is kind of, it's pretty disturbing at points, and and you know, but it's more just really weird. <laughs> like the best way I've always described Bad Lieutenant, Poor New Orleans, is there's a scene where Nicolas Cage is in a hotel room and they're <laughs> like they're doing like a stakeout, right? Yeah, and he's sitting there and he's like, "Was there a fucking iguana in here?" <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, there's an iguana sitting there. Why is no one talking about the iguana? And they're like, there's no iguana. He's like, there's an iguana right there. <laughs> yeah, I just imagine that with Nicolas Cage yeah. acting. There's an iguana over there. Exactly. There's an iguana over there. Why are we not talking about the iguana? Yeah, exactly. Just like <laughs> Yeah. So it's definitely worth a watch in its own right. It is, it is a bizarre... Weird movie with Nicolas Cage, and you know, I'm gonna admit it right here, right now. I love Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Do it. I know he's a bad actor, but by God, he's the king of the bad actors. Oh, yeah, he's the funnest bad actor ever. Speaking of fun, are we moving on? Yeah, not speaking of bad acting, I don't think. Oh, oh no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. I said speaking of fun, not bad acting. We're winding back to 1988. 88, mm-hmm. uh, a film, a few years before the first feature. By this man. Oh. One of my absolute favorite filmmakers. And I honestly would call him, uh, I would say it's somebody that, I don't know, I don't like saying idolize, but somebody I that inspires me pretty heavily. Yeah. Uh, idolize might be a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> as far as filmmaking goes. And we'll get into this a little yeah. bit as we talk about it. But somebody that I I, uh, I take great inspiration from as an as a, uh, aspiring filmmaker, Jim Van Beber. Yes. And this film is his debut, Deadbeat at Dawn. This movie is fun as hell. This movie is absolutely awesome. I mean, it is a <laughs> kick-ass with all kinds of emotions. Like, it's a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. It, it, it's fun. It kicks ass. It's got its disturbing moments. Oh, yeah. It's got its depressing moments. It's 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 an epic. It's got its weird psychedelic moments. <laughs> it just some something that kind of makes me laugh though is like the the gangs. The They're spider, very eighties, yeah. Yeah, spiders and the it was the, the ravens. Ravens, yeah. All so, I can think about is football teams. I know, right? <laughs> so essentially, what we got here is Jim Van Beber plays a man named Goose. Yes. Oh, that. Oh, but he's 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 playing. Yeah, he's the lead. Oh, really? He's the star. That's Jim Van Beber. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Um, he is Goose. Goose. And uh, he's the leader of the gang, the Ravens. Yes. And the rival gang, the Spiders. Spiders. Uh, led by, what's his name? Shit. Is it Philip? No, it's not Philip. No, it's Phillip. not Philip. 
with, with names like Ghost and Bone Crusher, he got Philip. No, 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 no. Hold on. He has like a super normal name. Really? I'm pretty sure. Give me a second here. I don't remember his name. Uh, you guys probably didn't hear me say anything about then, but it's okay. Do do do. Dead air, dead air, dead air. Danny. His name's fucking Danny. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's Bone Crusher. My character's name is Goose. What about my character? Danny. <laughs> okay, that works. So Danny's the leader of the spiders, right? And they got it out for Goose because Goose constantly kicks their ass. <laughs> Goose is a badass. Goose is a badass. Numbchuck wielding badass. <laughs> I love it. I love when he hits people in the head with the numbchucks. Deadass. Bam! But anyways, so Goose has this girlfriend. Her name Christy. Christy, yeah, yeah. And he, he, he's in love with her, and he decides that he's going to dedicate his life to her, and he's going to get out of the, the gang life. He's getting out of that gang life. So he, he goes up to his friend. He's done with that hood shit. Sorry. I'm trying to see if I wrote anybody's name down. <laughs> I, wrote, I actually wrote down some people's names on this one. Well, who who is his friend who becomes the leader of the... Oh, shit. I didn't write his name down. The, <laughs> God dang it. Um, we goofed on this one, guys. We sure did. God dang. We're the worst podcasters that's ever existed. <laughs> Heard we was going off on a fan base. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just goofing. Goof! Uh, so anyways, he goes to his friend, whose name is Keith. Keith. God dang. Basic ass name. I know. And he's like, I'm out. You do whatever you want to with the Ravens, I'm done. Yeah. And and Keith is like, well, you know what I've done since you've been gone? I've, you un- <laughs> I've united the two gangs. The Spider and the Ravens are, are a unit now. And he's like, whatever. And he leaves, right? <laughs> so now that Goose is out of the gang, he's free range for Danny. That's one thing I don't understand, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> They've been fighting for how long? I don't know. We don't know. Like, it doesn't say how long, but... A long time, apparently. And then the, it's like, yeah, there's a gang war in this town. And now they're like, yeah, we're friends now. We're buddy-buddy. And... Uh, well, that's because Danny's a piece of shit, and he's hoodwinking him. Yeah. <laughs> Hoodwink. <laughs> I haven't heard that word in a while. But anyways, so Goose is free range because he's no longer in the... That movie hoodwinked everybody. It piece sure did. It goofed everybody. <laughs> but anyways, so Goose sends... Uh, not Goose. Danny sends out <laughs> my favorite character in the world, <laughs> Bone Crusher. What a piece of shit. Love Bone Crusher. <laughs> I don't give a shit about nothing, man. <laughs> I don't care. I hate people, man. <laughs> so anyways, to, to kill Goose. However, yeah. they fail. Of course they do. And kill his girlfriend. And God. lo and behold, Goose goes on a downward spiral before he's brought back into the gang. And from there, <laughs> twists are twisted and... People are betrayed, and there's revenge happening. Oh, yeah. And dead be the dawn. <laughs> this movie, I've already said it already, but god dang, this movie's awesome. It kicks so much ass. <laughs> I love this movie so also, much. How athletic is Goose in this movie? Van Babber is, is a hell of a... Parkour OG here. He really is. And, like... <laughs> You know, here's the things that I admire so much about Debbie to Dawn, and why, it, to me, it's one of my biggest inspirations in film ever. <laughs> um, and if I ever taught film school, it'd be a movie I would show. <laughs> Sorry, this is bad. I'll tell you later. But it's because um, 
they had no money. Like yeah. they raised a little bit of money by uh, you know just because Van Beber understood how to choreograph. Yeah. And they used it to like show people like, hey, this is what we can do, mm-hmm. and raised money for Debbie to Don. Um, but man, the choreography is awesome. Is awesome. The stunt work is great. <laughs> the gore is awesome. Like for no money, they accomplished so much awesome oh, yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Oh, like God. it's an independent film, and, and Van Beber just took his time to choreograph all the fight scenes, so they're not that that weird <laughs> independent awkwardness that you see so much in independent films, where like you know people miss by a mile and shit like yeah. that. All the fight scenes are well laid out and shot immensely well. Um. The, you know, there's a scene where he is, like, scaling down a building. Oh, yeah. They just did that. God. Like, he, that's him. Scaling down that building with that throwing star. That's awesome. You know, it, the all the car wrecks and stuff, they just did that. They didn't have people helping them. They just no. learned how to do it and did it. It's it's crazy shit. It's inspiring. It really oh, is. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just a group of kids who are like, we're going to make a badass movie. And did it. And then just did it. Like They're like... It's like everyone, the whole other friends, like, we're going to make a badass movie. Like, yeah, whatever. And, like, prove them wrong yeah. in the most awesome ways possible. You know, Van Beber, as a filmmaker, is one of the most unique visions that ever oh, yeah. come out of the independent scene. I mean, the Manson family, which I feel like we'll talk about one day. Oh, absolutely. Manson family. My Sweet Satan, which is a fantastic short film. The Last Days of John Martin. You know, he, he he's just... He's the last of that breed of grindhouse filmmakers. Oh, yeah. But he's better than that at the same time. You know what I mean? He incorporates all that stuff he learned from the grindhouse era of film, but he also has just a great eye for, like, there's some amazing tracking shots in Dead Beat at Dawn. Oh, yeah, yeah. And some just great... I could go by one of those. If, injecting time you want to, because I could talk about this movie all damn day. <laughs> something <laughs> funny I got on my head. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I don't know a lot of people, a lot of people won't get this if they don't watch professional wrestling at all, but... Okay. Uh, the dad, he looks like Kenny Omega in like 30 years. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't think I saw that, but that's the weirdest like, like 30 minutes. That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> Kenny Omega. Yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch it just to see where you saw that at. <laughs> you just got look at his face. Okay. <laughs> just keep a look on his face. And then look at the picture again. <laughs> 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 He's in the crazy faces he does. Yeah. Just look at that <laughs> and put the two together. It looks like it. You know, uh, um, the acting. Sorry. You know, the acting in the film, you know, it is what it is. And some people are better than other people. Yeah. But everybody gives it their all. Oh, yeah. Nobody's like shit in the bed on purpose. You no. know what I mean? Everybody's in it to win it. I mean, no one really does a bad job in this movie. No, and you're talking about the dad. The dad is great. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's a damn psychopath. <laughs> it's just so funny. And, like, it, it's a heartbreaking scene, man. Like, because Goose is, like, you know, Goose is such an interesting character because he's not, like, he's not the all-American good guy. No. He's kind of an asshole. Oh, yeah. But he learns from his mistakes and grows. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, not only is there this fantastic, you know, filmmaking on no budget you know just being like we're gonna do this kind of aspect yeah there's also like 
good storytelling. You know, he goes to his dad's house after his girlfriend's died, and his dad's this, like, drug addict, psychopath, psychopath, you know. And then, like, you watch him just, like, you watch him hit his lowest and then become the strongest, you know what I mean? (laughs) And then when you get to that final fight scene, it's unbelievable, man. Like... The shit they pulled off is insane. Also, also something that's weird. I feel like I've, like I feel like I've, I have watched this movie before, mm-hmm. but I don't remember a lot. But now, all this is engraved in my head. But I guess the I guess we watched it at Amanda's one day. We might have, yeah. I've watched that bit odd so many times. It ain't even funny. I, I, it's one of my. It's like <laughs> you know, a, a pure cinema podcast has. Shout uh, out. Yeah, great podcast. They have this thing called the Handshake Five, right? Yeah. Where it's the it's the five it's not your five favorite movies, but it's five mm-hmm. movies that if someone else knows them, you're like, Oh you know? Yeah. And Debbie at Dawn Yeah is one of those movies for me. I show it to everybody. I'm like It's so cool. To me it's like if you want to make movies, you should watch Debbie to Dawn. Yeah, like every- it shows what you can do with just you know, just passion. Mm-hmm. And like as you're talking about the fight scenes, they're so awesome. Yeah, man. And, like, the stunt work, like, the scene where he's being drugged by the car against yeah. the wall. That scene is done so well. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, also, like, Van Bepper has this way of filming violence that is just so ruthless and brutal. Oh, God, yeah. Like, when the dude's getting shivved. Oh, it's brutal. Like, it's so brutal. <laughs> like, one of my favorite scenes in this entire movie is when Goose throws a guy... Off a bridge yes. and hits the ground, and a car runs his head over and cl- like just cleans it off. Yeah, it's so good. And it um, goes rolling down the sidewalk. It's so cool. And there's there's tons of memorable scenes in the fight scenes. Like one of my <laughs> favorites, man, is when he's hitting the nunchuck. Yeah, and he just stops. And he's like, ah, and then bam, just hits the dude on top of the head, and blood shoots everywhere. One of my favorite was when he kicks the guy through the wall. Yes, he's like, boom. But there's also so many memorable scenes that aren't. Yeah. Even Aren't action scenes? Oh yeah, not fight scenes at all. Like uh, Bone Crusher, for instance. I don't care, man. I hate people. I don't give a shit. I man. don't give a shit, man. And oh. uh, later on in the film, when he's like, "He look like snakes." Yeah, come out, little snakes. That guy is a fantastic actor. By the oh way. yeah, he would go on to be Tex in the Manson family. Really, and he is just awesome. He's so good. Yeah. Um, I don't give a shit about nothing, man. He's awesome. Like I love that guy so much. One of my favorite characters ever in film. Oh yeah. Um, and also there's a scene where Goose is at his lowest and he's walking down the hallway and that damn man, you know, yeah. guitar rift is hitting, and that guy's like, "What are you gonna do with that gun, man?" And he's like, "I'm gonna kill myself." I want like something that I do wonder is if. Phil and Selma was involved in this at all. Because I know him and Van Bibber are really good friends. I don't think so. I don't think Anselmo got involved until around the Manson family. Okay. Because I do know that um, somewhere in between Deadbeat and Manson family, which they went into production on Manson family right after Deadbeat. No. Oh. But it would take them from 1988 to 2003 to finish that film. It's crazy. Um, he did start doing tours with Pantera and filming their behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. And that's where their friendship blossomed. It doesn't like Pinhead make an appearance in, uh, Dead not Deadbeat, but uh, Manson Family. Um, like, is it Phil Anselmo does some of the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which one day we will definitely talk about Manson Family. And Manson Family is one of my absolute favorite movies ever. Oh, yeah. I w- there was literally a month where I watched it almost every single day. <laughs> Jesus. Just because I was like, I can't get enough of this movie. But anyways, back to Deadbeat of Dawn. Uh, that scene is fantastic. Um, I don't know, man. Like, There's so many great characters. Like, I love, like, he's only in the movie for, like, a few seconds. He's like, just imagine, man, you're invisible. Yeah. And then you drop acid, you know. It's like, what are you talking about, bro? And the guy he's talking to is just like, oh, what? And he's like, no, no. <laughs> I could watch Debbie Dawn every day and never get tired of it. Oh, yeah. Like, I know, I've, I feel like I've talk, uh, dominated this conversation, and I want you to, you know. I mean, you said everything I'm all about it, too. I know. I'm just so passionate about this movie. It's <laughs> So fun. It's so good. Like I can't. It's a movie you can take a bunch of friends together, sit in a room, and you're like, yeah, let's watch this. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, you guys are gonna throw out some of the shittiest kung fu kicks you possibly can yeah. at each other. And it's one of those movies. Like it's one of those definitely one of those movies where it just pumps you up. You're like, this is awesome. I love it. But when you really watch it and you break it down, and, and like it's really inspiring. Oh yeah. And it's you know, and I guess now is a good time to talk about. It. It's just a shame that, you know. Pam Bever's kind of his own worst enemy. Yeah. You know, because he's an immensely gifted filmmaker. He's so good at what he does, but his problem is himself. It isn't himself. He, um, it's like he doesn't have control over himself. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, I do think the Manson family took a lot out of him. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because Japanese, David Don did very well in Japan. <laughs> Uh, Japanese and Japanese investors jumped aboard like, oh, here's money for your next movie, man. And uh, they decided to do this little exploitation version of the Manson Family movie, right? But as Van Beber started researching, he decided he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to make this some kind of low-budget exploitation version of that because he felt so passionately about the story Oh yeah, and the people that were affected by it that he wanted to do it right. And so he started creating more of an epic story and not too long into the filming of the film the backers stopped contacting them oh so the money was gone so he would raise a little bit shoot a little bit that'd be it oh. and i think that yeah. process man just and like i think he just began spiraling out of control as far as like his alcohol abuse problems mm. As well as his trust problems. I don't think he trusts a lot of people nowadays. Because no. you constantly see him, you know, whether it be Dom A. Jr. from Synapse or whether it be Severin who put out, you know, The Manson Family on Blu ray or Dark Sky or, you know, it seems like whoever he works with, eventually he has a falling out with them. I just don't, I just don't understand it. And I think it's, I think he's got major trust issues because of what happened with The Manson Family, you know. There's a fantastic documentary called Diary of a Deadbeat. Yeah. Where they really... I think that's where we saw most... I think that's where I saw a lot of this stuff from. Because we watched that. I know that. Where, you know, Victor Bonacore, who was in... Um, Hunt- Hunters? Hunters, yes. Yeah. Uh, filmed it and did an amazing job. Oh, yeah. Uh, perfect companion piece to any of Van Bever's um, films. Oh, yeah. But, you know... It doesn't paint Van Bever in a perfect light. No. Like, it shows his passion, and it shows his hunger, and it shows that he can be the best, but it also shows him that he's most destructive. I mean, at, at the end of the day, Van Bever, you you got to give him credit for what he's accomplished. Absolutely. But at the same time, you got to look at 
love would sit the surface here and be like, "It's I never mean, too late, though." Oh no, no, no! Hopefully, he can. You know, I've I've seen him talk many times about getting himself back on, you know, back on track, and hopefully he does. And you know, I know he was even at one point trying to raise money for a Day of the Deadbeat, really, a sequel to De- De- Deadbeat of Dawn. That's cool. Which would be awesome, you know. I wonder how they would have done that. I don't know. I, I, I wanna, I'm, I'm interested now. I want to see it. Some people hate Jim Van Beber as a person. Some people love him. Yeah. He's a very, uh, you know, very, uh, how do you say? Controversial uh, figure. Very controversial. Very divisive. Mm-hmm. However, I think if you just look at his body of work as a filmmaker, there's no denying that he was one of the best of that era. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, so you say he was, like, <laughs> he's still... Still is, absolutely. But, you know, it's been since the Manson family, since he's done anything. I mean, he released that little short to try to raise money for a movie called Gator Green. And it never went anywhere. I mean, hopefully we'll see something from him soon. Yeah. So, so Debbie at Dawn, I mean, I cannot give that movie the higher recommendation. <laughs> I mean... One of the highest recommendations of any movie we've ever reviewed, I think. I mean, it's definitely a movie you can watch... With a bunch of friends, like like you you could like bring a group of friends and they each bring a movie, and this should be a movie that you bring with you at least once. And also, if you're an aspiring filmmaker, oh yeah, you're like I want to I want to be I want to make movies for, you know that's what I want to do. Man, it's the it, it's one of the best movies to watch. I mean, it's the best thing to say to, to look at and be like, yeah, I I don't have any money, I'm broke. But look what they did. Yeah, it's like look what they did. Maybe I can try to do the same same type of thing. You know, movies like that, Clerks, yeah, um, El Mariachi by um, Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. You know, these are movies where people, these guys, <laughs> did not have money; they just had access to certain things, and they filmed around what they had access to. Yeah, and I think that is that leads to you know such creativity. Same thing with like Evil Dead, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, David E. Dawn, massive thumbs up. Check check this shit out, boy. Mm-hmm. So finally, another film that I feel very similar about, honestly. Not <laughs> in how it makes me feel when I watch it, but as far as what they accomplished on no money. God. Um we go back again. We This movie going. makes me want to slip my fucking wrist. <laughs> <laughs> we have nineteen eighty four's Buddy Juvenazzo's Combat Shock. Now what version of the movie did you watch? I watched the uncut. You watched the American Nightmares. Yeah. I watched Combat Shock. Really? So this is kind of cool because you know, watch two versions. Because American Nightmares is a little longer. longer than Combat Shock. Plus, it doesn't have like the opening of Combat Shock. Yeah, has this stock footage intro of like footage from Vietnam with this weird orchestral music that does not fit the rest of the movie. Oh wow! It's like Combat Shock. Makes it look like it's gonna be an action movie, but that's trauma's doing. No. So, <sighs> basically, what we got here? Oh God, I don't know if I wrote down this guy's name. Ah, uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> God dang it! Oh, we're the shittiest, man. We need to just look at the character list before we do this. Is it Frankie? Just... Maybe. Son of a bitch. Played by Ricky Juvenazzo, which is Buddy Juvenazzo's brother. Yeah. And I think, uh, oh my gosh, it's not right into the microphone. <laughs> 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 you goofed everybody. Y'all. Goofed you, sorry. Oh, Frankie, God. yeah. Frankie. So Frankie uh, is a Vietnam vet. Yes. 
who was captured by the Viet Cong after an altercation. Wait, wait, one more time. Viet Cong. Viet Cong? Viet Cong. Okay. Yes. Anyway. Not, it's not a racial slur. No, no I, I know. <laughs> I, I didn't know. call him the G word. <laughs> I, know, I know you didn't. I was just wondering what word you even said. But okay. Viet Cong. Okay, fair enough. He's captured by him and tortured for two years <sighs> before he is rescued and put in a hospital where he eventually regains his strength, although mentally there could be questions still. Well, you know, which we don't want to give too much away, but that definitely comes into play in the film later. Oh, yeah. And he is sent home. And, you know, much to true life, which is unfortunate, he comes back to not much. By the, by the way, I would like to call you out on something here, by the way. Mm-hmm. A long time ago, I don't know how I remembered this, but when I was watching about watching this, I was thinking about it the entire time. Back in back in the day, uh-huh. you spoiled this entire movie for me. Did I? Yeah, you told me the the entire ending. Huh? And I went back and watched. It. I was like, maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe it was younger because I was young then. The exact thing happened. I was well, like, okay. <laughs> here's the thing about Combat Shock. All right. Yeah. To be fair to me. To be fair to you. I think the most famous thing about Combat Shock is the ending of the movie. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I think most, I think even people haven't, if they know, they know Combat Shock, even if they haven't seen it, yeah. what they know about it is that is the end. Okay. I think enough. that is the most famous thing about Combat Shock. Touche. Because um, I remember seeing the ending way before I ever saw the movie. <laughs> saw it on YouTube, <laughs> and that's what made me want to watch it. I was like, what the fuck is this movie? This is trauma, but it's, it's dark. It's so dark. <laughs> like, it's so messed up. So, since people know about it, could we talk about it? Or should we not talk about it? What the... <laughs> what was that? The floor was warm as shit. <laughs> right here. so warm, it was freaking me out. <laughs> Alright. There's <laughs> a landmine underneath the house. <laughs> so, go kill us all on pod. So, Frankie comes home. Uh, he marries his sweetheart. She's not super sweet. <laughs> no. But, you know, like, they portray her sometimes in the movie as though she's just, like, some kind of, like, money-grubbing. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, when I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm like, I'm with her, man. Like, this sucks. Like, I know, like, like yeah, Frankie, you know, he's trying, and maybe you shouldn't yeah. get on his case that much, but... I mean, it doesn't really say how long they've been living in yeah, this Yeah, you know, like, it's shit, man. They got no food. They're about to be evicted. I mean, like, it's horrible. It's it's shitty. You know? So, like, I can understand if she's like, this sucks. Like, I know in our lifetimes, we, we've been poor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not this poor. Yeah, this is, this is dirt poor, man. This is literally eating soup beans Maybe once a week because that's all you have. <laughs> this is eating oatmeal and water. Oh, because that's it. That's all you got. You, <laughs> you ain't got no sugar to make that good. Oh man. You know what I mean? It's just nasty as. Not to mention they ugh. have a one-year-old baby, who no. is. I mean, how do you say it? But other than just like deformed, extremely deformed. Yeah. Due to Agent Orange, which you know, my dad, your granddad, yes, was in Vietnam. You know, yeah. and Agent Orange is a was a real thing. Like even when he came back and uh, they got pregnant with their first kid, which would be my older sister Tammy. Yeah, you know, that was a real danger. You know, maybe not to that extent. That's a little 
what? You know, over the top, but it was absolutely like a concern. Yeah. Like Agent Orange was a real problem Ugh. for for the people who came home from Vietnam. You know, so the 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 kid like it only cries and it's just extremely deformed. The the way it looks, it looks so not real, but at the same time disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's it's hard to explain. Like, don't <laughs> you just gotta see it? Yeah, like not since uh, uh, Eraserhead have I been so freaked out by a baby that this doesn't. This movie has a lot of Eraserhead vibes. It, you know, it does. Like, it's like a more realistic, gritty version of Eraserhead. <laughs> it's like you took a bunch of movies and put them together. Yeah. So you know, the film consists of Frankie basically a day in his life as he goes to the unemployment office. He deals with his friend who's a junkie. You know. He has a moment where he could get away from it all. Yeah. But he chooses not to do it. You know, he's Ugh. dealing with the fact he owes these loan sharks money. You know, and you just follow him throughout the day. And it's sad. Yeah. It is It is not a fun time. <laughs> this is not the movie you bring with you to your friend's house and watch because you just press the shit out of everyone involved. It's not a good time movie. <sighs> But it is very good. Like, you, you told me someone that we know complained about this movie because yeah, of it being boring. And I can see that. I mean, the way I saw it is, yeah, this is boring, but this is what this person has to deal with. I never find it to be boring because of a couple things. I, I find, this, you know, I'm into the character. Yeah. So I'm in with him, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these little mundane things, you know, these little rays of hope that he uh. kind of gets throughout the film that are just immediately crushed. You know, I'm with it. I'm with it. But also, I just love the soundtrack. And I, I never feel like it drags. Mm. Like, maybe it stays at certain things a little to, too like, long. To me, like, all of it, like, it builds up to something and immediately crushes your hopes and dreams of it happening. Yeah. And it's all building to that end, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, it's getting you to know this guy, getting you to like this guy, be sympathetic for this guy. So when, you know, minor spoiler, this switch is flipped. It makes you. Like, it makes you, know, you feel worse. You know what I mean. This is the kind of movie. After you watch it, you just want to lay down in bed for a while. You want to take a shower and just wash everything away. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. It's not a good time movie. And I, I'd like to. I'd like, like to call you out once more. Oh God. Because okay. you chose the lineup here. Yeah. We, we could have ended on Debbie at dawn and had a very good ending to this, but. <laughs> well, you know. You're on a gritty note again. Here, uh, sick on cinema. You know. We're not about fun here. <laughs> We're not about having a good time. Um, <laughs> Stick on cinema, like you know, we we we're here to highlight independent film, yeah, and um, weird cinema and, and shocking cinema. But you know, at the core of it, when we first came up with the idea, was to tackle the disturbing side, the heavy hitters of the disturbing, you know, extreme horror world. And Combat Shock is one of those movies, you know. That's Fair one of those enough. biggins. So I feel like you got to end it with the biggin. <laughs> just, it, makes me, it makes me feel so bad because everyone's like, yeah, dude, we done. That's awesome. Like the way we're talking about it. And then Combat Shock, after this movie, you'll want to you'll want to slit your wrists. Well, the thing about it is, like, Combat Shock is just as good as Dead Beat of Dawn. Oh, yeah, Just yeah. in a completely different way. Oh, yeah, like, of course. But Debbie Don has its moments, too, where, like, it gets down, you know? Well, yeah, but it picks back up. It does. But this movie, it's just it's just a car wreck. 
it's just it's just a it's just a bad time. It, it's like actually watching like a homeless Vietnam vet struggle through your daily struggle through his daily and life. The bad thing is, <laughs> the vets from Vietnam are actually treated this way. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they I mean, came home to shit. A lot of them did, yeah. I mean, to this day, man, like the veterans aren't treated. You know, they don't get the help they really need when they come no. home a lot of times, and it's, it's, still it's sad. Veterans and it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. Exactly, you know, and it's we sad. We political again, but it's okay. Well, yeah, you know, whatever. Anyways. It's about the movie. It's, it doesn't matter. It's, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, he's you got his friend who's this terrible heroin addict. <laughs> like, he, yeah. he's withdrawing horribly. Ugh. And hit you follow him a little bit throughout the film as he's trying to get his fix, and that leads to an awfully depressing scene. Yeah, which we were a little split on. What? Yeah, what we thought happened there, but I don't really want to get into it. I'd rather people yeah, watch, just it. watch it. Um, he also has a, he keeps having these flashbacks. Of <laughs> don't talk, just watch. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> he keeps having these flashbacks of himself in Vietnam. <laughs> which are done so well. Oh yeah, and again, just like I Deb- wonder where it was shot at. New York. It was shot in Staten Island. Really? Yeah, they just went out in the woods, basically. <laughs> you know? It's, uh, I, I believe it. It's great. I mean, that's the thing about it. It's like, sure, there are certain scenes where are like, that's not Vietnam. I mean, no. However, you know, for absolutely no money, you know, the guy, Buddy Giovinazzo, was a, was a film teacher. Yeah. And a lot of the equipment he borrowed from the school, <laughs> he used a lot of his students and a lot of the roles, you know. He did a hell of a job. Oh yeah, recreating Vietnam on no money. You know what I mean? It's like uh, uh, the movie The Executioners, or not The Executioners? <laughs> the Executioners? Which movie? Double? God dang it! It's that movie Synapse put out. That's uh, it's a. Re- did we watch it? Oh, we watched it. Yeah, it's a revenge film. Oh wait, yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, the Exterminators. Maybe Exterminators. I think that's it. Let me look it up real quick. Talk a little bit. This movie is that shit, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to spell exterminators. <laughs> Goof. I'm terrible. Um, Exter. Oh shit! I don't even know what to talk about here, John. Well, boy, you, uh, I'm it's the exterminator. The exterminator. Yeah, which is also an awesome yeah. film that we'll probably cover one day in this film. <laughs> Urban Nightmares Part Two. Well, that could be a revenge film. You. But anyways, <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, a lot like that, like, it's just like, you know, you can kind of tell it's not Vietnam. However, they did it so well that it's like, you just don't care. Yeah. You know, and Buddy Giovinazzo, Buddy Giovinazzo should definitely be commended <laughs> for for the effort he put into this movie, you know what I mean? It's, I do feel like, at least in the combat shot version, yeah. I haven't watched the American Nightmares version in a very long time, so I don't remember. There's like an opening bit where like it's just kind of showing the landscape. That goes on a bit long. Yeah. That could be cut down a little bit. And maybe the opening Vietnam stuff is a bit long, too. But, I mean, like, he did a really good job. Like, he even went out and found Asian actors. Yeah. You know, and used them to be the Viet Cong, which I thought was awesome. It's very cool. It's not like old John Wayne movies where they just painted people brown and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> John Wayne was Attila the Hun. <laughs> no, no, no. He was Genghis Khan. Oh my god. Yes, there's a John Wayne movie where he's Genghis Khan. Talk about racial appropriation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> god dang. Um, but it all builds up to the end, and without giving anything away, man, that ending. It's a gut punch. 
Imagine like this entire movie. It's like someone chucking bricks at your head. And this time, it at the very end of this movie, it's like someone took, drop kicked the wall and knocked it down onto you. <laughs> okay, so let's do this. Okay. Um, from this point on, we're about to get into heavy spoilers for this movie. Yeah. Because I just want to talk about it. Um, so if you don't want this movie spoiled, thank you for listening to Sick on Cinema, and we'll see you on the next episode. Three. If, yeah. Go ahead. Three, two, one. Now. Okay. So. Eventually, you know, he's beat up by these thugs who he owes money to, right? Yeah, they beat the shit out of him. And it just triggers something in him. It's like... It's like the stereotype for Vietnam flashback, pretty much. Exactly. And that's the moment you learn that, you know, the whole time he's he's having these memories of what happened, how his unit just went crazy, and he ran away from it because he just... He couldn't handle it. But maybe he was the one... Yeah. Who went crazy, you know? Which you never... We never find out the truth to it. No. So, he kills them all in a brutal scene. God, what One of the parts about this scene that really bothers me is there's this one guy, and he, he's the guy that kind of doesn't really fit in here. <laughs> he's kind of weirdo, yeah. <laughs> he looks like a, a trauma, like... Yeah, he looks like somebody from, like, Surf Nazis Must Die or something like that, <laughs> Yeah, know? And... He goes and run away, and he gets shot in the back. Mm-hmm. He starts crawling away, and then Frankie comes up with the gun and puts it to his head. You can hear him whimper. Yeah, and it's it's brutal. And it's some. It's sad. It is rough. Like you feel like you feel bad for the people that treated him like shit the entire time. Yeah, because it's like it's the combat shock is real. It feels like real life, where everybody everybody's not perfect, black and white. You know what I mean, John. Why do we have to talk about this movie? Let me tell you why I'm pissed. I'm pissed because movies movie's supposed to be an escape from real life bullshit. <laughs> you just drag me right back into it. So he God. So he goes home afterwards and he sits there and then his TV like starts talking to him. Oh, yeah. You know, the TV's like, you know, you know you're a killer, you know. And this is kind of like the very like final straw. Yeah. If there was one left. Yeah. And he gets up and he, he shoots his wife. Right. Oh. And this scene, man, like, it haunts me, honestly. Yeah. Because he shoots her, and she falls down, and she's like, and she's, like, spitting up blood, and he shoots her again. And then he shoots her again, and he's like, why won't you die? You know, and it's just like, that is just so horrible. You know what I mean? Something that's just as haunting, he walks over to the crib, shoots the damn baby. Yeah. Blows that damn baby by the way. Yeah. By the way, that that puppet had a lot of explosives in it. It's like, <laughs> Shoots it up against the side <laughs> of the crib. It's like boom. <laughs> then he picks it up, throws it in the oven, mm-hmm. and turns the heat all the way up. And then at the very beginning of the movie, when they're talking about food, he's like, "We still got some milk left." <sighs> and like he gets it out and he pours, it. it's just sludgy just shit, clumpy soured milk. He takes a sip of it and he shoots himself. <sighs> And it's just like, that's it. That's the end of the movie. And it's like, you're just left there, jaw slacked open, like, unsure of what to do. <laughs> you know, like, you're just like, oh my god. Because there's a couple ways to take it, man. One hand, it, he snapped and became psychopathic. Yeah. And the other hand, man, it was just, it was the only way out. Oh, either way, it's not good. It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> At the very end of the movie, right after he shoots himself, you can hear, police, because they're evicting him. Oh. And, you know, 
That's it. It's credit rolls. Well, thank th- th- thanks for listening to this not so <laughs> <laughs> happy ending to Second Cinema. I mean, oh. but the movie, like, that is what the movie, like, st- like, even if you find the rest of the movie to be dull, stick it out to that end, man, because huh. that end is one of the most powerful, gut-wrenching, sad, realistic endings I've ever seen, and Buddy Juvenazzo deserves a standing ovation every time that movie screens, you know what I mean? Yeah, and another thing that's disturbing is when he does shoot the baby, it doesn't die instantly. Yeah, that's the thing, man. That's what's so realistic about it. When he shoots his wife and she doesn't just go, bleh. Yeah, she struggles. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, God dang it. When he, pours, when he pours the milk, it's so symbolic, man. Just shit. <laughs> you know, like. Zit. And he shoots himself. And it's brutal, too, man. Because, like, you know, so many movies, he's just like, boom, and they're just like, ugh, I'm dead, right? Yeah. He pulls the trigger and goes, ah! You know, so, like, you can tell, like, there's a moment of pain. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even, like, a painless death. <sighs> it's horrible, man. Like, it's so bad. I mean, it's way, so sad. It's so, like, depressing. Another way you could take him shooting his wife is, like, the whole thing where it's shitty and he just wants her to die like quick. Yeah. It's like, why don't you just die? Yeah. It, it's, it is like, this is when they baby in the oven, but <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely snapped. Yeah. But like, what, why does he kill him is a question. Is it, is it just cause he snapped and now he's a killing machine or is he killing him out of like sympathy almost? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's a point, too, where he calls his dad to ask for help. Oh, yeah. And his dad's like, I don't have anything. He's I'm like, broke. I've lost everything I've had, too. Yeah. And he, and that, and that's just another, like... You're like, oh, he's finally doing it. Thank God. Nope. The ray of hope just ripped from him. And then he's like, you know what? And then another line of this movie that's so good that people don't give... I don't think people give any credit at all. It's like... Maybe maybe Joe isn't the worst option. Yeah, sometimes Joe's better. It's like God. That line and the one that really hit me. It's at the very beginning of the movie where he's like, "God help me, I'm a hero." Oh yes, you I know? forgot about that. He has like, "God help me, I'm a war hero." It's yeah. like, oh, Combat Shock is a fantastic movie. It's not one you're gonna watch every day. It's not no. that it. <laughs> I've been doing conventions for God, ten years now. Yeah, which is fucking retarded. <laughs> I've wasted that much money. <laughs> Why'd you gotta get yourself like that? <laughs> but anyways, the the first horror convention I ever went to, I bought Combat Shock. Yeah. So almost ten years ago, I bought Combat Shock. Wow. Right. The Troll Masterpiece Edition, probably back uh-huh. in two thousand seven, and uh, I watched it a couple times. And I don't think I've watched it since. Really? But I always remembered every single piece of that movie. Like, every bit of that movie was always etched into my brain. It's a movie... Like it, it, it honestly boggles my mind that this movie is not talking about more. Yeah. Because how disturbing this movie really is. It's disturbing on so many levels. It's almost, like, unfair to call it disturbing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, it's, it doesn't fall into, like, a Serbian film... No. Or movies like that. This is a different beast. You know what I mean? This movie is the kind of watch that afterwards you're just like, I'm so happy I live in the conditions I live in. <laughs> yeah, right. It'll make you thankful for the people you're with. And, uh, you know, 
before we wrap up Combat Shock, I think Buddy Juvenile, so I've not really seen any of his other stuff. I know Life, yeah. Life is Hot in Crack Town is one of his movies I'd like to watch, maybe one day cover on the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Urban Nightmares! <laughs> Woo! Okay. But uh, he was scheduled to direct uh, Maniac 2, Mr. Robbie. And uh, and whenever you told me about this, I was like, oh my god, is this the thing? You told me there's only like a few clips of it. And there's only like a five minute clip from it. Of and Joe it Spinell, makes me so sad. Of Joe Spinell's Mr. Robbie. And I think that uh, would have been an awesome, awesome movie. Because I think Buddy Gymnazo is a great director. And I think that, uh, you know, him and Spinell would have made a great team. Oh, yeah. But, alas, we're done with Combat Shock. It's depressing. It's yeah. sadder and shit. Um, I recommend all three of these movies. No no more or less so than the others, honestly. Like, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, I recommend all of them, but Miss 45, that's the one you need to go to first, right? All three of these movies all are All three of great. these are absolutely worth your time. They're hidden classics. They really are. And that's something that I love to find. It's something to be like, wow, this is so good. Why does no one talk about this? Yeah. And then show it to someone like, wow, this is so good, too. Yep. And you showed me these movies. Like, also, like another thing that about this podcast that's awesome is a way for you to show me movies that you've seen. Yeah, and like show them to me yeah. so we can discuss them. And also discovering stuff together too, like the Vomit Gore trilogy. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah, man. Bad Lieutenant. It's put out through um, Lionsgate. I'm. It's pretty sure it's easy to get. Oh yeah. Um. Ted Beat at Dawn is gonna be a little trickier. Really? Because the box set it's in was put out through Dark Sky, and I don't know the availability of that box set anymore. Oh, yeah. But, of... but if you dig hard enough, I, you probably can find a copy of it. Yeah. For not too much. And uh, I, uh, Combat Shock's put out through Troma. Yeah. And um, it, I have the Troma Masterpiece edition of it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's still in print or not, but I'm pretty sure 88 Films... Has it out too? Has it out as well because they have a deal with trauma. Oh, okay. So I would say it's probably not super hard to get a hold of. So all three of these movies are hidden masterpieces. Very good, awesome movies. I I mean, like you know, it's hard to say I enjoyed because some of them were a little rougher to get through than others. I mean, Bad Lieutenant and Combat Shock are the ones that are a little bit rougher to watch, but Debbie and Don Deere have a blast with. Yeah, like I said, it, that movie's a roller coaster. Yeah, right. It's ups and downs. Yeah. It's like sad, depressing, fun, awesome, kind of scary at points. Yeah. Like there's some hallucination shit that's a little creepy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bad Lieutenant and uh, Debbie to Dawn is like, or not Debbie Dawn, Combat Shocker, like driving in the Nevada desert with nothing to look at or listen to. It's just Ugh. depressing. <laughs> I mean, it's not boring like that. I'm trying to say it's like a mental state. Like, it's just like, hmm. It's <laughs> like... But, but like secluding yourself into a, do- a dark room with nothing to listen to, nothing to watch. Yeah. And just your mental thoughts. Yep. I'm pretty sure that means the same thing. Pretty I guess. much. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. So. Mental state. There you go. Do we, do we know what we're doing next? No, we got to figure that out. Well, shit. Do you have the list? Uh, we're not in here right now. Where's, the, where's that? Hold up. Hold up. Is it oh, over here? Copyright. What? Oh, shit. <laughs> is that from GTA? Is that from GTA? Or is that a real song? Oh. Oh, shit, is it? I don't know. That's good. Uh, too bad it's not on mic. I mean, it's impressive, though. I'm impressed. 
Where's the list? We'll find it later. Is it over here? Is this the list? Where? Right here. No, that's not the list, is it? That's the old one. Oh, shit. Well, you got to pick an episode, dog. It's your turn. I love that this is all being recorded. Just you looking for the damn list. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we done give... Oh, shit. Did you find it? <laughs> this is behind you. Okay. All right. Well, well, quick on the fly, you got to you gotta make a choice of what the next episode is. On the fly, dog. Get your mic. I want to hear your mental thought process. I don't know what I just said. I want to hear your decision making in real time. Can you just give me a minute and just talk? Uh, I, I've been talking, dog. I'm going to hit you with something. This it's all right. <laughs> this is great. This is the best part of Second Cinema ever. This tops the truck stuff. <laughs> this tops everything. This is awesome. Um, we we got bro. Shit. It's every day, bro. God, I wouldn't be sold and sued by Logan Paul. That'd be terrible. <laughs> sued? No, they just flag us down. Why is it flag us? We on YouTube? Does it matter? Does it not matter? No. What? You, if you put if you put a movie out with like copyright <laughs> in it, you're getting F. That's true. I don't know. Um, we're going off the fly here. It may change from then and now. Okay, what is um, it? We're going with true crime movies. Ooh. What movies are we going with? I'm uh, excited. Snowtown. Ooh. American Crime. Oh. And Compliance. Holy shit. That's weird. Yeah. All right. We figured this out. We did this like 12 o'clock one night. Oh, shit. Okay. No, probably like 3 o'clock in the morning. Snowtown. Amer- and American Crime and Compliance. Can we change American Crime to, um... The other one. <laughs> Are you sure we don't have the other one on a different one? Here? We probably do, but F it. <laughs> Girl All Next right. Door. Girl Next Door. Okay, so the next episode... Snowtown. Unless we decided to flip it on you and be like, how <laughs> goofed you. <laughs> he goofed you! <laughs> it's going to be Snowtown, The Girl Next Door, and Compliance. Alright. I'm down with that. It's probably going to be another depressing episode. Just like It also, you know, the availability of it. Make sure we can get a hold of them. I think so. I think Snowdown is too. Yeah. And uh, I own Girl Next Door. That's why I wanted to change it to yeah. The Girl Next Door, which is probably already on, but we can just switch them out. If not, if we can't do that, we'll, we'll just draw another one out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll let you By the way, it's going to be true horror. Yeah, true horror. On the next episode of Sick on Cinema. Yeah, sorry for that bullshit right there at the end. <laughs> no, there. that was great. A lot of people won't even hear that because they'll be like, oh, well, I'm going to go watch Combat Shock first. That's true. Um, <laughs> so. so, as always. Tweet us at Sick on Cinema. Comment at Sick on Cinema on Instagram. Facebook is Sick on Cinema. Twitter, if you got that. That's what I said. I said tweet at us. Uh, tweet at us, yeah. Uh, email us at sickoncinema at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram, Bacano89. Do you want to throw out your... Uh, on uh, Instagram? Yeah. Uh, I think it's DBZFan99. Hell yeah. Follow us. Spirit bomb, boom! <laughs> um, and I am John. I am Matthew. Say <laughs> the full name of that. And you've been listening to the podcast dedicated to the dark side of film and depressing shit. <laughs> Sick on cinema. Oh, cinema. Cinema. cinema.